the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Jesus says to you today, live with expectation. If there's anything in your life not in harmony with his will, deal with it. Jesus says to you today, live with purpose. Focus like a laser on the things that really count. Jesus says to you today, live a life of holiness, wholeness for God. Jesus says to you today, cling to the hope of the second coming of Christ, because it's real. Jesus says to you today, let me sanctify you completely, your thoughts, your passions, your physical habits. Jesus says, I will do something in you that you cannot imagine. That's Pastor Mark Finley, and this is Hope Lives 365. At Hope Lives 365, we believe God answers prayer. Keep in mind this telephone number throughout today's broadcast, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE. Here's Pastor Mark. When Jesus Christ comes into my life, he begins to sanctify me. He begins to work in me to make me like himself. He begins to heal any of that damage that has occurred in the past. Notice 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to take a little tour, a little detour from Thessalonians and look at the concept of holiness and what God wants to do in your life. You say, when I think about holiness in the light of the coming of Christ, I don't know whether I will be ready for the coming of Jesus. You do not make yourself holy. God makes you holy. Take your Bible, please, and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. Look what God says about his people. Holiness is not some super perfectionism. It is rather wholeness for God. It is rather total consecration of heart, mind, and life to God. Notice 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, we're looking there. At 1 Peter 2, verse 9. This is what God says about you. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a what? Holy nation. His special people. That you may proclaim the praises of him that called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. So God says, I am calling you holy. I have separated you unto myself. God says, allow me to work a work in you. That will transform you to be like myself. Second Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1. God is preparing a holy people to be ready when he comes. Our responsibility is to choose to allow God to do his work in us to create holiness in our lives. Second Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. Second Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, having what promises? The promises of the word of God. 
Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The promises of God's word entering into our lives are like seed planted in the soil. When you plant seed in the springtime, in the soil, that seed grows. The seed grows by the life within the seed. Within the promises of God's word, there is life. And the same Holy Spirit that inspired the word creates within us holiness or wholeness for God as we study it. Now notice, back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as the word as it is in truth. So when you receive the word of God, not as the word of men, but as the word of truth, notice the text, the word of God, which also, does the word of God do something? When you receive the word of God, not as the word of men, but as truth. When you take the word of God and you cherish it, and you receive it not as the word of men, but as truth, does it do something? What does it do? Also effectively works where? In those who do what? Who believe. So when I take the word of God and I cherish it in my heart and I say, God, this is your living word. It does something in me. It effectively works in those that believe to create within their life a wholeness for God or a holiness for God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 says, live life in anticipation of the coming of Christ. Never be enshrouded with the world and caught up in its pleasures that will pass away. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 says, live your life with purpose in the light of the coming of Christ. Leave footprints on other people's soul. Reach out and touch somebody for Jesus because that's going to last. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 says, Let the word of God create within you holiness. Do not excuse your behavior. Do not excuse unchristlike attitudes. Do not say, well, that's part of my genetics. My grandpa got angry and so I get angry. It's just what I am. Do not excuse habitual habit patterns that you practice for years. Let Jesus Christ create within you holiness of heart to prepare for his soon coming. Let the word of God effectively work in you. Paul is consumed with this idea of the second coming of Christ. We go to chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Chapter 1, live with expectation. Chapter 2, live with purpose. Chapter 2, live in holiness. Chapter 4, live in hope. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You're looking there starting at verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those which have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Now, when someone close to us dies, we will sorrow. But the Apostle Paul says, do not sorrow as others that don't have any hope. Verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those that sleep in Jesus. In other words, since Christ died and was resurrected from the dead, God is going to bring back to heaven those who 
have died in Christ and are sleeping. The Thessalonian church was concerned. And here's what they were concerned about. They were concerned about what's going to happen to those dead when Christ comes. They're sleeping in their graves. What's going to happen to them? Because Jesus is going to come. The living are going to be resurrected. And Paul says, don't worry about them because I'll tell you what's going to happen to them. They're going to be resurrected from the dead. So verse 16, he tells you why. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, imagine this scene. The earth shakes. Darkness covers the earth. Lightning flashes. Jesus comes with 10,000 times 10,000 angels. He calls the righteous dead to come forth. They, along with the righteous living, are clothed with glorious immortal bodies as they ascend to heaven. And Paul says to the church at Thessalonica, live in this hope. Live in this hope of the soon return of Jesus Christ. Pastor George Fisher was a missionary in West Africa during the horrible slaughter of the Liberian War. And he tells this interesting experience. He was teaching young Africans to become pastors. And he was reading this text, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And he read, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. One of the students raised their hands. Pastor, what is Jesus going to say when he shouts? You know, the Africans have an interesting way when you teach them to ask questions. American thought is typically objective. You know, we think logical kind of thinking. The Africans tend to think in stories. And I've preached many a time in African villages and so forth. They think in stories. So they want to know the details. And this American missionary was just totally, you know, dumbfounded. What is Jesus going to say when he shouts? And so he says, the question took me by surprise. The student repeated the question. Pastor, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, says that Christ will descend from heaven with a loud command. I would like to know, Pastor, what that command will be. Pastor Fisher continues, I wanted to leave the question unanswered, to tell him that we must not go past what Scripture has revealed. But my mind wandered to an encounter I had earlier in the day with a refugee from the Liberian Civil War. The man, a high school principal, told me how he was apprehended by a two-man death squad. After several hours of terror, as the men described how they'd torture and kill him, he narrowly escaped. He hid in the bush for two days with his family. But the escape cost him dearly. Two of his children lost their lives. The stark cruelty unleashed on an unexpecting and undeserving population touched me deeply. And he says, as I stood there before my class, I began to think of beggars that I passed each morning on my way to my office. I began to think about every day how I see how poverty destroys the dignity and robs men of their best of what it means to be human and sometimes substitutes the worst of what it means to be an animal. I was haunted by the vacant eyes of people who had lost all hope. And I stood there silent and he asked again, Pastor, 
You have not given me an answer. What will Jesus say when he comes with a shout? Let me read to you what the pastor said. The question hadn't gone away. And I thought about it a minute. And then I said, enough, I said. He will shout enough when he returns. A look of surprise opened the face of the student. What do you mean enough? Enough suffering. Enough starvation. Enough terror. Enough death. Enough indignity. Enough lives trapped in hopelessness. When Jesus comes again, he will say enough sickness and disease. Enough, enough, enough. Echoing and re-echoing. Down through the corridors of history is this one word, enough. We've had enough injustice. We've had enough poverty. We've had enough sickness. We've had enough sorrow. Millie, we've had enough deaths. We've had enough deaths. Those of us who've lost loved ones, even now I find myself reaching for my cell phone to call him. I used to call my dad when I was all over the world. I'd be walking down the streets of Europe, and I have an international cell phone, and I'd call dad. Dad, I just preached here, you know. Just preached here. Dad, I'm in Africa. Just preached here. There is something that you miss when you lose a loved one that is irreplaceable. And we cling to the words of the Apostle Paul. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a what? Shout! And what's that shout going to be? I don't know, but I think the preacher's pretty close. Enough! Enough suffering, enough sickness, enough death! The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. For the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall, say it with me, rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, what? To meet the Lord where? In the air. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, live with expectation. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, live with a sense of purpose. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, live a life of holiness. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, live a life of hope. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The book of Thessalonians rings with the urgency of the return of Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, you're looking at it there. We're letting our eyes drop down to chapter 5, verse 23. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 23. Paul ends with this urgent appeal. Verse 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless when, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, he who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Now notice a number of things. First, how much are we going to be sanctified? What does the Bible say? He's going to sanctify you what? Completely or wholly. Who is going to do that? Do we sanctify ourselves? Now may the what? God of who? Peace sanctify you holy. Now notice it says your whole spirit, soul, and body. Now the term spirit here refers to the higher faculties of the mind where conscience, reason, and judgment are located. 
God longs to sanctify us, to make us holy in the deepest recesses of our mind. He longs to sanctify those thoughts that nobody else sees. He longs to purify the wellsprings of our thoughts, that spirit. Now, soul, have you ever heard the expression, boy, does she have soul? Or boy, does he have soul? What are we talking about? There are different usages of soul in the Bible. And here, this word for soul in the Greek language has to do with passions, affections, emotions, instincts, and desires. That's what it means. So spirit here has to do with the higher cognitive thought processes. Soul has to do with passions, affections. So what Jesus is saying is, I want to sanctify your spirit, the deepest recesses of your mind. I want to sanctify your passions, your affections, your emotions, your desires. Then he says your body. In other words, your physical nature. I want you to be sanctified in what you eat and what you drink and every single thing that you do in your life. Now, somebody says, how can that ever happen? Look at what it says in verse 24. He who calls you is faithful who will do it. Jesus will do for you what he promised that he could accomplish. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Take your Bibles, please. We're going to the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 6. Jesus is going to do something in your life that is unimaginable. Philippians chapter 1. You're looking there at verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, we can have confidence that he who has begun a good work in you. How many of you here today believe that God has even done a little bit for you that he's begun a good work in you? Can I see your hand? He's begun a good work in you. Now, what can you have confidence in? Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Is God going to complete what he started in you? Is he going to do that? Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. If I allow Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, he will sanctify my mind, the inner recesses of my thoughts. If I allow Jesus... He will sanctify my base passions. If I allow Jesus, he will sanctify my body to him. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus. Whom do I look to? Who do I look to? Do I look to myself? Do I look to my weaknesses? Do I look to my strength? Do I look behind me? Do I look before me? Do I look within me? To whom do I look? Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. The author. Is Jesus the author of your faith? And what else is he? The finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus. First Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says, God is faithful to finish in you what he began. A little girl, 11 or 12 years old, came to the church and asked the old deacon, to introduce her to the pastor so she could be baptized. He had never seen her before, and this little girl was kind of the rebel rouser of the town. I mean, most people knew her. I mean, she was the kind of kid that would go in and steal candy out of the candy store. 
she was the kind of girl that would consciously trip some other girl. You know, she was one of those kind of kids that was always getting in trouble. And she came to the old deacon and said, could you bring me to the pastor because I want to be baptized. He said, I want to ask you some questions, girly. Before I introduce you to the pastor, I can ask you some questions. Girl, are you converted? Yes, yes, deacon, I gave my heart to Jesus. Prove it to me. Prove it to me. What difference does Jesus made in your life? She said, I don't know if I could explain it all, but I could say this. Before I knew Jesus, I used to run to sin. Now, after I know Jesus, I run from sin. <laughs> Before I knew Jesus, I used to run to sin. But now I want to stay as far away from it as I possibly can. Out of the mouth of a child. Out of the mouth of a child. Jesus says to you today, live with expectation. If there's anything in your life not in harmony with his will, deal with it. Jesus says to you today, live with purpose. Focus like a laser on the things that really count. Jesus says to you today, live a life of holiness, wholeness for God. Jesus says to you today, cling to the hope of the second coming of Christ. Because it's real. Jesus says to you today, let me sanctify you completely. Your thoughts, your passions, your physical habits. Jesus says, I will do something in you that you cannot imagine. Let's pray together. And as we pray today, is there somebody here that you feel God has spoken to you in this message? And that you want to make some decision in your life that you really want to follow Jesus. There's something you need to surrender, something you need to lay down. But you just sense that God was talking to you, some word of hope, some word of encouragement. And you just want to raise your hand and say, Jesus, I want to respond to that appeal of the Spirit in my heart. God knows what the Holy Spirit has implanted in your heart. And by raising your hand, you're just saying, God, you spoke to me today, and I want to respond with a practical commitment of all that I am to you. Would you just raise your hand? God bless you. I'm going to pray. You know, there may be somebody else here that you just feel that the Holy Spirit's leading you to take a real big step in your life, to follow Jesus and be baptized. And you just sense that the Spirit has been moving upon you. He's been leading you to do that. And somebody says, I don't know enough. We'll help you to get ready. We'll prepare you. But the devil wants to hinder us. What the devil wants to do is to keep us questioning so we never make that full decision. And maybe there's somebody here that just wants to lift their hand and say, Jesus, I'm really considering seriously that step and bring conviction to my heart. If you want to seriously consider the step of baptism and you want conviction to come to your heart, would you just raise your hand and I'll pray for you. God bless you. Yeah, God bless you. Many hands. God bless you. Yeah, God bless you.
Father in heaven, thank you for those today who are opening their heart to you to live lives holy to you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the many who've just raised their hands. They're seriously considering baptism, and I pray that you would bring deep conviction to their hearts and their souls, and you will lead them, you'll guide them. We know, Lord, that we won't have every question answered until eternity, but the basic ones can be answered through your word. And Lord, I just pray that you would continue to pour out your spirit on this congregation and that each one of us, day by day, would draw closer to you. And when Jesus comes again, we can look up and say, this is our God. We've waited for him, and he will save us. In Christ's name. Thanks for listening today. Don't forget that you can find today's broadcast online at hopelives365.com. Survival is big business these days. People spend thousands of dollars on wilderness survival camps. They want to learn how to survive in light of all of these unprecedented natural disasters and the potential for nuclear attack. But there's one area that most people don't give much thought to, and that is spiritual survival. Pastor Mark's book, The Ultimate Survivor, will provide you with practical steps on how you can survive spiritually. And call right now to get that book. We'd love for you to have a copy. That is 888-244-HOPE. Don't forget that our prayer team is also available at that number 24-7 to pray with you. Join us again next time on Hope Lives 365. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.